Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBury podcast all about the foreign exchange market, where we break down some of the main news headlines and financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of FX. My name is Matthew Ryan, Senior Market Analyst here at eBury. I'm joined as always on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer, Enrique Diaz-Alvarez, and Market Analyst, Roman Zuruk. So welcome back, everyone, to today's episode, recorded on Tuesday, the 19th of October. It's been a rather hectic few weeks in the FX market, so, so plenty for us to talk about today. And the main talking point in financial markets continues to be this rather sharp increase in inflationary pressures that we're seeing globally. This caused investors to both fret to the slowdown in global growth could be on the cards in, in Q4, and it's also raised expectations for central bank interest rate hikes. Policymakers around the world are taking on a much more hawkish stance for the most part. A number of emerging market central banks have already raised rates, many in a quite aggressive fashion. In the G10, Norges Bank in Norway and the Reserve Bank of New Zealand have been the first two to hike rates. The Bank of England now looks almost certain to be the third following a very hawkish turn from a handful of MPC members in recent weeks. Speaking at the weekend, Governor of the Bank of England, Andrew Bailey, again indicated that the, mar- to the, the market that he was concerned about rising inflation, saying in no uncertain terms that the bank will have to act in order to rein in medium-term inflation. And this has led to a significant repricing among financial markets. The futures markets now pricing in, fully pricing in, a first pandemic-era UK rate hike at the Bank of England's next policy meeting in November. That's three months sooner than investors had anticipated a little over a week ago. And this has helped sterling outperform many of its counterparts. The UK currency is now trading around a one-month high versus the US dollar. Uh, but what do you guys make of these comments from the Bank of England? Is, is a November UK rate hike now assured? And how do you think this could impact the pound? Um, I, I think that it's very difficult to see how they can back away from these comments. And, and I think that uh, this, the, the wider story is the confirmation of what we've been saying here since, since I think, since before the summer even, that there's a massive disconnect between the settings of the, the monetary policy settings and the fiscal policy settings in, in most of the industrialized world, uh, the most G10 countries, and where, what uh, the, the story that we're hearing from the supply side, from the demand side, and from the imbalance between the two in, in form of inflation data. Uh, we have you know, 0% uh, rates with, with inflation uh, that is anywhere from 3 to 5%, depending on, on the country. Uh, massive fiscal deficit still, and and this is uh, this is a, a, a complete uh, mismatch between the two. And I think that uh, it's it's the Bank of England does have a, a history of of being often flexible and the first to act in both directions, uh, both hiking rates and lowering rates among among central banks. And I think that's what we're seeing. I think that they're leading the way, and I think that we're going to be seeing that. Uh, the, the similar response from other uh, major central banks bringing forward the uh, this completely unsustainable um, expectations of when uh, policy will accommodation will be removed. Uh, for now, um, the, the the Bank of England is leading the way, and that's that's a huge positive for the pound. And I think that uh, that uh, we I expect to see it. Uh, trading above 1.4 to the to the dollar in British order. Yeah, I generally agree. I, I think that uh, we are likely going to see a hike in November or December, uh, and uh, I, I don't think that um, Bailey or Bank of England would want to uh, 
uh, disappoint the market uh, at this point, particularly as the inflation in the UK is only going to go up, at least in the short term, uh, particularly as uh, the energy cap uh, is removed. So uh, I think that uh, it would be risking uh, some weakening of the currency uh, if it did not start tightening uh, policy. At the same time, uh, I'm quite worried that the market, not only in the UK, but in many other places in the world, might be getting a bit ahead of itself with expecting hikes. Uh, we are seeing this, uh, for instance, in the UK right now, we have uh, 2.5 full hikes uh, priced in uh, uh, for uh, February. So it would mean that rates are expected to go up the base rate by around 60 basis points, uh, which is a lot. Uh, and uh, it's a very big shift from what we have seen uh, just a few days ago. And it's not only the case in the UK, it's also the case in many emerging market countries. I'm particularly looking at the CE region where those expectations have increased drastically, but also uh, other uh, G10 countries. And in many places, I think that those increases might not have been warranted or at least not to the extent uh, that, they, that, that they have taken place in the market. Uh, so I think that although I believe that they're going to hike rates and start the process, uh, the risk uh, regarding uh, the monetary policy tightening in the UK right now has become more skewed to the downside. And uh, I would be uh, potentially even uh, slightly worried if those expectations were to rise significantly further. Really? I mean, that's interesting. You think that uh, that uh, the Bank of England is getting ready to make a policy no, mistake? No, I think that they are going to tighten monetary policy. At the same time, uh, whether, are they going to do so uh, to high rates by around 60 basis points between now and February. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I think that it's a, it would be a rather rapid pace of tightening. Oh, okay. So your issues yeah. with the market expectations. Yeah. And, uh, uh, it's um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell because uh, we are in a bit of an unprecedented uh Situation. I, I can't think of any historical precedent for this. This, you know, run of zero percent or negative interest rates from the central bank's massive policy spending, ma massive deficit spending, and inflation going up uh, well above target. Uh, you could be right, but it's it's, I, it's it's difficult to find any historical yeah. At the same time, for central are. banks that they can do little uh, about changing the situation, right? Because this is mostly an issue with supply chains. And uh, what they can do is that they can lead the currency to appreciate, which would lead to a pass-through effect and be uh, potentially positive in, in limiting the inflation. Uh, and they can slow down growth. And this is something that they uh, do not uh, want to do. And they can control inflation expectations. So I, I would think that they might not want to de-anchor inflationary expectations. And that's why they would hike and also maybe ensure that the currency would not depreciate or appreciate, uh, but uh, even if they hike, even if the central banks are, are hiking, I'm not sure we are going to see significantly lower inflation uh, unless the pressures that we are seeing in the global economy resolve. Well, yeah, but uh, the idea of uh, hiking rates as a remedy for inflation is to, to kill off that marginal demand to, to make that marginal project not worthwhile to undertake and to reduce, uh, you know, consumer credit to the point where demand is brought in line with supply. I mean, I admit that it is, it is a, it's, it's a very messy process. 
to do so via interest rate policies. Um, I think that it'd probably be better to to do it via fiscal policy by raising taxes, but um, it's politically it's a lot more difficult and slower to uh, to uh, pass a tax hike as a measure to control demand than it is to just hike rates. I think that once again we're just going to it's it, the only the only uh, work, workable way policy for reducing demand and bringing in line with the supply capacity is going to be yeah, like in rates. At the same time, if you look at the current increases in, in prices, they are driven by, uh, in large part, energy prices, and those are going to work uh, against stronger demand. So... Not sure, not sure that's the case. I mean, I think that if I looked at the uh, the inflation data in the U.S., which is acting as a lead, again, is leading the rest of the world, I think, in, in economic data. And I believe it was 24 out of 26 sub-indexes of inflation are above two and a half percent. I mean, the, the, the price pressure, I mean, clearly energy is, is where it's getting the headlines and where the increases are stronger perhaps, but uh, there's the, 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 the price increases, the supply pressures are pretty yeah, widespread. At, at the same time, the U.S. seems to be kind of one of its kind. I mean, there are few economies. Yes, that's true. There are a few that economies is, that have some underlying uh, price pressures that have seen significant core inflation increases. And one of the best examples right now is Czech Republic. But in most other places, I think it's mostly a reflection of the supply uh, side issues and, and the structure of the economy. And even in, in many uh, cases, uh, the way the inflation baskets are built. So I, I don't see how the aggressive monetary policy tightening would significantly help with resolving that issue. I think that it should be done maybe not to uh, lead to the de-anchoring of the inflation expectations uh, and uh, to lead to a currency appreciation, but uh, I'm not sure uh, to what extent it can really resolve the issue. We might be in for a longer period of stronger inflation than expected. Yeah, I, I, would, I think I would, I would agree with that last comment. But I, I think regardless, uh, the Bank of England is clearly concerned with rising inflation. It's going to act in order to try and rein in sort of medium-term inflation expectations if it can. Um, it, you mentioned, Roman, about Bank of England perhaps disappointing expectations of the market getting ahead of itself. I think this has been very much a coordinated effort from MPC members in the last few weeks in order to bring forward those rate hike expectations so the market is not caught off guard in the next two or three MPC meetings. I think comments from Bailey over the weekend were particularly telling. He said he's clearly more, more concerned about rising inflation than the market expected. Um, the supply shortages you mentioned, the, the recent fuel crisis in the UK, which has liked the pressure prices even higher um, this year, I think has brought about this hawkish shift from MPC members um, and the MPC is, is not particularly comfortable now, I think, waiting until February. I think it's going to try and get ahead of the curve, if it can, nip inflation in the bud before it turns into a more serious issue for the UK economy. So November is very much on the cards, I would expect. A 15 basis point rate hike um, to take place next month, which would take the main base rate back up to 0.25%. Um, as we've been talking about, as this is now fully priced in, I think the key is going to be the, the timing of, of future rate hikes uh, and the magnitude of those hikes as well. Um, if they indicate uh, another 25 basis point increase is coming in February, I think that'll be enough to, to sort of satisfy investors. 
Um, a failure to do so, though, that would be a massive disappointment given current market pricing. Um, and, and sterling would likely suffer, but I see that as unlikely. I think the, the um, Bank of England is very much preparing the market for, for quite an aggressive pace of hikes over the next sort of six to 12 months or so, and that can only be supportive of the pound. I think that leads us off nicely to the second main topic today, which relates to sort of broader repricing for interest rate hikes among some of the world's major central banks. Inflationary pressures, uh, pressures are rising aggressively around the world, as we've talked about. We've had data out of New Zealand this week, for instance, that showed that price growth there had spiked to a decade high in the third quarter. And this has caused market participants to bring forward their expected time for rate hikes. Central banks in Canada, Australia, Sweden are now all on course to raise rates in the first half of 2022, according to futures markets. The Fed is also now expected to raise rates in July, following the recent aggressive increase in US inflation, which surprised the upside again in September, rising back to a 13-year high. This is creating a rather volatile environment for currencies and other financial markets. US bond yields, for instance, have increased relatively sharply in the past few weeks. The benchmark 10-year Treasury yield has increased back above 1.6%, which is around its highest level since June. And short-dated deals have also increased sharply as well on, on heightened Fed rate hike bets. If we look at the, the two-year yield, for instance, is now back above 0.4% for the first time since the beginning of the COVID-19 crisis. Uh, and this is applying a little bit of downside pressure on emerging market currencies, most of which are the ones that we cover anyway, uh, are down against the dollar over the past week, some in excess of 2%. So what do you both make of this repricing for hikes in general and the impact um, that it's having on the currency market. Well, I think that it has still has plenty of room to run. I mean, the, uh, we're still talking about. I mean, in the case of the European Central Bank is extreme, but uh, the market is still pricing in negative rates in the eurozone into 2024 or maybe into 2025. It's hard to tell. Uh, in the Fed, uh, the, the, they're starting to pricing um, a hike. I believe is late 2022, but still. Um, Given how blindsided the central banks have been by, by the inflation pressures over this year, um, I think that we should perhaps place a little bit less trust in the central bank's ability to predict the future. And the, I've been following the, the earnings releases from most uh, you know, American U.S. corporations, and they seem to be pretty unanimous that uh, the supply chain pressures and the, 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 the pricing power that they have is going to last at least well into 2022, probably 2023. So in this context, it's, it's, it's hard not to see those price, those rate hike expectations being brought forward into in, in, in time even further than they have been already. And here, the, the New Zealand case, I mean, New Zealand is a tiny country, but uh, it has acted in the past as sort of a G10 bellwether in that because of its small size and and the, the relative lack of inertia in its economy, it it tends to add as a, as a leading indicator of where, where uh, G10 policy is, is, is going. It tends to be the first to hike and the first to cut. Uh, it, it hike rates, um, and yet inflation there right now is, is running at, at 5% far above uh, what, what the market was expecting just uh, a few weeks ago. So um, I think that everything is in place for a continuation of this, of this trend towards 
uh, higher expectations for rates uh, closer into the future. I'm, I'm not so sure uh, about that uh, because the market pricing right now in many cases is really extreme. I mean, if you look at the Fed, for instance, the market started uh, either yesterday or, or uh, a day before. Friday started pricing in a, a first hike by the Fed in mid-2022. Uh, so this has been brought forward significantly. Uh, in, when speaking of the Eurozone, definitely those expectations are not as aggressive. Although if we assume that uh, we would see increases by 10 basis points, uh, then the market is pricing in first increase in a year. So uh, in, in, in terms of some other countries like Switzerland, we are seeing also a very aggressive pace of uh, pricing in uh, further hikes. So in a year, uh, according to the current pricing, uh, we should see around 20 basis points higher in two years, 50 basis points higher. And this is something that is uh, really hard to believe will happen, considering where the inflation rates, for instance, in Switzerland is right now. But this is not only the case of Switzerland, but many other countries. In many other countries, we are seeing that the pricing currently at this point indicates that the rates will be higher or significantly higher than uh before the pandemic. And uh, I think that what we are seeing right now is a massive overreaction and the fact that the markets just cannot find their place. There are some countries that I think the market is underestimating the potential for tightening policy. But overall, I think that the recent moves have been so violent and uh, sudden that uh, I would just wait uh, for a few more weeks and months uh, to see how the situation is uh, resolving, uh, because I, I think that in, in many cases, those expectations are, are too high. Interesting. Interesting. So we have, a, I think, a, a first major disagreement <laughs> in FX club. Yes, yeah, so I think I'm, I'm <laughs> going to have to disagree with you as well, Roman, uh, I'm afraid. I, I actually think that the market pricing has brought it more in line with reality now um, than it was two or three weeks ago. As you mentioned, Enrique, we would flagged it, I think, perhaps on, on the podcast and certainly in our reports, we saw that investors were significantly underestimating the pace of hikes, particularly among the major central banks. So I think this aggressive moves that we've seen in futures market it is not really a surprise at all. It is, it's more in line with our, our view. Um, high inflation has clearly lingered a lot longer than these central banks had anticipated. Um, now the lockdown measures have been unwound pretty much everywhere, even Australia has unwound some of its severe lockdown measures in the last couple of weeks or so. I think you know, there's, there's every reason to, to believe that these economies are going to continue to, to recover well. Um, supply shortages are, are a concern, but we think that the, the impact from those will be relatively limited. So actually, I think m most central banks in the G10 are, are well-placed to raise rates at a fairly aggressive um, pace. Um, you can argue perhaps that maybe market pricing for one or two is a little bit aggressive, but I think on the whole, I think this is much more in line with our view that we're going to see many of these central banks, um, starting with the Bank of England next month, start sort of raising rates much sooner um, than the market anticipated, even as recently as a few weeks ago. So we're going to finish our episode today with our Spotlight Currency for the Week, as selected by our loyal followers on LinkedIn, who have this week chosen the Australian dollar. Orders remained one of the most volatile major currencies during the pandemic period. Currency came under a bit of selling pressure in the third quarter of the year as investors both ramped up 
Fed rate hike bets and sold high-risk currencies on both Delta and inflation fears. It has, however, recovered well so far this month and has been among the top performers in the G10 month to date. Its outperformance of the Australian dollar comes despite a continued dovish stance from the Reserve Bank of Australia. The RBA followed through with its QE tapering plans in September, although it stuck to its guns on rate hikes, insisting that rate increases may not happen until 2024, something that we feel is, is completely out of touch with reality. But what do you guys think about both the Reserve Bank of Australia and the Australian dollar in general? And do you think it's a, a buy, sell or a hold opportunity? Well, I think here very important is the massive surprise that we saw in inflation uh, in New Zealand. It's important to note that both in Australia and New Zealand, inflation data is released on a quarterly basis. So you get an enormous amount of information about the state of inflationary pressures all of a sudden, as opposed to other countries when it's released monthly. Um, the last, uh, we don't have the latest uh, numbers for Australia, but we saw the ones for New Zealand, we commented before, and it's, it was a massive upward surprise. Um, I think there's a very good chance that Australian data surprises similarly to the upside. And, and so I agree that those, uh, pricing expectations and those, those, uh, the forward guidance from the Reserve Bank of Australia is completely untenable. Uh, Australia, like New Zealand, is a commodity exporting economy. It's very well placed uh, in, in, in these, to, to, to take advantage of this commodities boom that we're seeing as a result of this very loose monetary and fiscal policy. And I think that the Australian dollar and like the New Zealand dollars is going to be one of the main beneficiaries. Uh, especially once uh, this this expectations for hikes are brought somewhat closer to to reality. So my my call would be definite by the Australian dollar. Yeah, so I actually agree when it comes to the inflation. Uh, I think it's a very important point, and the release for Australia will be on the twenty seventh of October. So around the time and after the release. If we see an upward surprise, and I think it's likely, uh, we might be seeing an increase in expectations that are, I think, one of the few exceptions in the G10 where the market is not really pricing in a significant tightening right now. And I think it should, and I think it probably will after the inflation data, uh, which would be supportive for the Australian dollar. Uh, at the same time, uh, I think that the currency has the potential to appreciate as this is a high beta currency and we expect a improvement in global risk sentiment. Uh, however, uh, that being said, the Australia is uh, also uh, closely linked to China and uh, the noises that we are hearing from China uh, for the past few months, but particularly right now, uh, have not been positive. So we are seeing some disappointing economic numbers. Uh, the most recent one was the third quarter uh, GDP data. And uh, we are seeing uh, issues in the uh, housing sector, uh, particularly. Uh, so uh, and when it comes to Australia, the commodities that the country is exporting uh, are, to name a, a few, iron ore and gold. And those are not the commodities that have been uh, outperforming recently, quite the contrary. So I don't think that it will receive that much of a boost as some other uh, commodity exporting uh, currencies. And I also think that it might, uh, that the risks uh, for the Australian dollar uh, are uh, somewhat balanced because on one hand we have this central bank that might uh, surprise the upside uh, con uh, considering the market expectations but on the other hand we have those risks related to China so I, I'm 
I would say probably buy, uh, but this would not be my first choice. I, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be so pessimistic, actually. I, I think concerns surrounding China that you mentioned, I think they're a little bit overblown, actually. Certainly the, the, the situation with Evergrande and the real estate um, sector in chi- China's economy, I think they're uh, a little bit overblown in the media. I think the impact would be relatively minimal. Uh, and as we've been saying, uh, Australian dollar is one of the higher risk currencies in the G10. We still have a very positive view on risk assets over our forecast horizon. I think that once developing nations unwind lockdown measures and vaccinate enough of their populations, that should be good for the global economy. It should be good for risk assets and the Australian dollar. And also the RBA as well. I think 2024 for the first rate hike is completely unrealistic. Um, I would expect to move perhaps as soon as the second half of next year. And I think once the RBA begins to indicate that, I think this should be a positive for the Australian and dollar. So for me, it is very much uh, a pretty strong buy from me. And that's it from us. If you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the FX market, visit Ebris website, follow us on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favourite podcast app. And let us know if there are any topics you would like to hear more on during upcoming episodes. Keep an eye out for our next episode in a fortnight's time. Thank you all very much for listening. <laughs>